Are you an investigative professional? Did you know you can find the best private investigator resources using investigatorstoolbox.com? This resource community was built exclusively for licensed investigators and investigative professionals. You can network directly with members, educate yourself through free webinars and blogs, and even create your own customizable research library. Membership starts for as little as 49 cents a day. Download the Investigators Toolbox app or visit our webpage at www.investigators-toolbox.com. Is a good case management system keeping you from taking your business to the next level? Crosstrax is the premier case management system for the investigative community. They're the only SOC 2 certified case management software available. Visit Crosstracks.com, tell them you're a listener, and save even more. Get a plan in place for the new year to grow your business to the next level. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Sandline Global's Robert Freed is our guest today. Robert's a computer forensic specialist, and today we're talking about email. Rob also writes a regular column for PI Magazine. So let's join the guys and jump into the world of email forensics. Please welcome Robert Freed and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare, uh, wishing everybody a happy new year as we uh, delve into uh, January and uh, hopefully we're not getting snowed in here. Uh, today we're sticking around in New York and I tapped on a, an Aldenese buddy of mine, someone who actually writes for PI Magazine as well. Uh, I want to welcome Rob Freed to the program. Rob, how are you? Doing well. Happy New Year, Matt. Yeah, Congratulations happy. on the big news and uh, hope you had a nice holiday yeah. uh, season. Yeah, it was great. It was great to unplug for uh, for a little bit. I mean, as investigators, we really uh, we we say we're going to unplug, but we never really unplug. So it's, it's I didn't tough. unplug. <laughs> I was working through. That's that's when you get the best uh, downtime. Is when you know client requests are a little bit lower, and uh, you can you can focus on getting some getting some catch up time. Of course, I spent some time with the the family in the background too. Yeah, yeah, you got to make time for that. Um, so. Uh, you have Sandline Global, that is the, your business, um, and uh, you do a lot of cool computer searches and forensics and things like that, and, and you're a, a regular columnist for PI Magazine, and uh, your, your most recent article, you were talking about emails, um, and I thought it was really cool, so we're going we're gonna to cover that a little bit later uh, after the break, but uh, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into this business, and uh, what you're doing now. I took forensic science in undergrad and in grad school uh, at the University of New Haven. Uh, the article right before the email article was with Dr. Lee. Mm -hmm. He was one of my professors. Uh, and so I've been in the industry now, at least through academic academics and then through uh, working professionally for over 20 years. Wow. Um, you know, I went from the uh, academic side into professional life working for the National White Collar Crime Center 
that's in West Virginia. I moved there from New York yeah. uh, to get the experience and then uh, wound up teaching for a couple of years and then got into the e-discovery side of the business, right. um, working for a company here on Long Island, progressing into more consulting uh, in some bigger companies uh, in New York City. And I'm now at uh, Sandline Global uh, as of, I think, April uh, of last year. But it's moved very quickly because there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that we're doing. So sure. it's been exciting. Sure. And for folks who don't know, when you say Dr. Lee, that, that's Henry Lee, uh, one of the foremost uh, forensic guys uh, forever. I, I think when, when I went to John Jay College, like that was the guy, you know, yep. <laughs> everybody knew about Henry Lee. You know, I, I think at that point he wasn't there anymore. Uh, but the, the specter, you know, because this was OJ, uh, you know, murder trial, you know, back yeah. in, the, in the 90s. He was involved with that, I believe. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's great to collaborate. Uh, we're actually doing a symposium next month on uh, trending topics of, of forensics, uh, digital forensics, and uh, I'm helping to lead the charge on that. So I'm really collaborating with him more and more these days. That's great. Um, and other professors that I had in the past that are now uh, you know, almost uh, mentors and colleagues uh, getting this event together. Yeah, it's really neat. I know like when I went back to teach at John Jay, because I had gotten invited to to teach, you know, two or three times I've, I've been there teaching. It's just, it's, it's weird, right? It's like, wow, this is where yeah. I went to college and now I'm yep. actually lecturing. Like <laughs> somebody pinched me. This is strange. Yeah. Right? It's uh, surreal. And, and the thing is, is at that point you have the real world experience where the students are really uh, learning from you uh, knowing that you were in their seat, you know, uh, at a certain point in the past and you're giving them information that they'll take with them. And yeah. I can tell you that I've had so many scenarios where I've actually gone back to what was said in the classroom because my professors were really practitioners and residents. They were people who were either uh, police officers or uh, ex-military and lab technicians providing us the real world uh, experience. And that's really been helpful in understanding how to address cases, investigations, uh, evidence, and, and you know, leaving no stone unturned, but also thinking a little bit about different methodologies that can be used if you encounter something that is new yeah. and that you may not be able to necessarily grasp a hold of. So there was a real push this past year on that whole thought pattern of methodology and really focusing in on that. And I, I love that. I love that we're no longer looking at the shiny tool, but it's more along the lines of, you know, how to use that shiny tool uh, to, to get what you need. And I, I think that's, that is a turning point for our industry, you know, that we're really starting to focus in on doing that because how fast technology works and how things so quickly, you really can't count on anything uh, because, you know, it, it may not work next week. Um, you know, so it, it, it was very interesting that turn start in 2020 and really catch steam in 2021. Um, yeah, very, very cool, uh, very cool thing. And, you know, the other thing too, you mentioned law enforcement and military as, as these teachers, professors, like to me, it was, it was crack and not be law enforcement, Terry, and have these kids see like, Hey, there's another option, you know, cause yes. that, that was my story coming out of college. Right. I did not go work for any police department, you know, not that I didn't want to, I tried, <laughs> they, would, they wouldn't take me. Uh, and I kind of had a fend for myself. Um, so being able to go back and, and show like, Hey, there are other options like pi private industry. If you know how to do it properly, it's actually more lucrative and you have uh, better control over 
you know, your, your personal life, which is important, you know? Absolutely. Uh, that was one of the challenges I experienced because I came out of academics and went to go teach law enforcement. And here's a, a 20 something year old guy standing in front of a, a class of captains and special agents and, you know, the computer guy of, of the precinct. And then, uh, you know, trying to, to take this information and you know, get over the fact that, you know, it's a young person, but the knowledge is there. And uh, that was a great opportunity. It was a great experience. Uh, it was a, a great way to start a career mm -hmm. uh, because you got to see the uh, challenges that law enforcement faces. Number one, the budgeting, you know, training is really difficult sometimes to accommodate with the budgeting. Right. Uh, you get to hear about the cases that they're involved in, the uh, you know, search warrants that were executed stories about how they became the go-to uh, in addition to learning the technical and sharing the technical with them that really has been helpful in helping me understand the best way to approach a scenario as well right. so everything's learning experience yeah i mean we're always continuing to learn i mean i've been i've been in business for myself for 16 years now and i'm still learning you know i mean this is why i love this podcast i love doing this because i love to learn about what other people in the industry do and how they how they do it, right? It's, it's always fascinating, interesting to me to hear. And, and what you're doing with the, the investigators toolbox and with the associations that you belong to, um, you're able to network. And yeah. that's the one thing that I, I really enjoy within the industry. I've always found the law enforcement community to be very collaborative in this specific area of digital forensics. I've been able to reach out to either former students or the listservs, uh, the email uh, groups that are out there, and uh, engage in conversation to try to get some additional ways to look at things. Mm. Uh, and it's been invaluable. Um, and I think I'm up to 10 uh, associations, and each one of them has unique value yeah. in where I would want to look at maybe background checks if needed, uh, maybe a different approach to remote collections that are coming up more and more these days. Sure. Uh, sure. And even uh, now building a, a digital forensic lab in New York City, I have to have ideas and, and you know, uh, consulting uh, that I need to reach out to others about. And it's been very, very valuable there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a game changer. I mean, there's, there's always a need for that. And, um, there isn't a need for it until there is a need for it. And then when there is a need for it, it's always right. like, I need it yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think there's any, uh, you know, don't oh, take your time with this, you know, <laughs> send this over to you. There's always like rush charge or, you know, I'll pay rush. I, I remember there was a guy who I worked with many, many years ago when I first started my business and he was, uh, he was like, uh, I met him through another investigator. I never actually met the guy in person, but he was one of these information brokers that could really get a lot of sensitive information. And he was a good asset to have. And this guy never charged a rush fee, you know, but he never did anything rush either. So anytime you'd be like, Hey man, like I rush, like I'm, I'm willing to, to pay extra for it, this and that. And his answer to me was, well, you should have told your client to ask for it, you know, three weeks ago. And that's the way he lived his life. I mean, that was, that was it. No rushes. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it takes time to sift through a lot of, a lot of the, the details. And yeah. even on cases now, you think about the volume of information and data that we are having to go through. Um, 
some of this stuff is a little bit, uh, you know, needle in a haystack. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, um, with COVID and the shutdowns of everything too, I think that whole urgency thing has, has, um, has not taken a backseat, but it's not as urgent as things used to be. Like people are a little more understanding when you're like, wow, it's going to take a little bit more time, uh, to get this done the right way. Um, cause we're all kind of going through that, you know, as New Yorkers and you can appreciate this, you know, we want things yesterday and, and we're, if we're not getting it yesterday. We're yelling and screaming, complaining, going, Hey, you know, what the heck? And um, then the weather happens. Right. And then, yeah. you know, the equipment that needs to go can get stuck in a storm and then yeah. you got to deal with the logistics to get that rerouted. And, yeah. you know, the remote collections has uh, impacted our industry tremendously uh, in rethinking outside of the box, literally, yeah. and having to develop uh, remote collection kits a little bit more uh, user-friendly than in the past, because now you're getting people of all uh, tech savviness backgrounds, mm. and you're having to accommodate everybody, let alone the uh, sense of ownership or privacy is becoming more and more of a concern for many people. Yeah. So the fact that they're connecting up their devices to uh, equipment that you're sending and then remotely connect, uh, connecting with you and sharing their, their data is, is a concern. And we, we bring comfort uh, explaining the, the process involved. Sure. Uh, nobody, you know, there's the security access privileges that are given only to specific people, but a lot of that has now come into play, but in a, in a good way, it's allowed us to be innovative in the industry. Sure. Uh, it's definitely opened doors and made things a little easier. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles on that and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm just kind of throwing it out there is from an evidentiary sense, right? Um, having a judge understand that, you know, I'm not standing next to this thing as I'm downloading it or it's not in the same room uh, as me and being okay with that, right? Just, just understanding them and educating them of, you know, the uh you know the the way it's encoded and encrypted and all that 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 there is that level of certainty uh on it i think that's that's a, a pill to swallow and when you have a a judge that's in their 70s or in their 80s they may not grasp that so well right do you see yeah. that as a challenge well, that you've dealt with absolutely i think that you're not behind the keyboard um, you have more interaction with what we call data custodians mm -hmm. than in the past uh, where normally we would show up on site and they would turn their devices over to us. Now it's a case where we're sending them something, they have to set it up, they have to get on the phone, and we're still virtual, but we do a screen share. We connect up through a video teleconference like this. We bring some level of comfort to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then to explain the, the process, it's all about your documentation. Your documentation is the key to everything that you do. If you keep good documentation, if you have blogs, if you have a, a methodology that you use consistently with the naming convention down to the chain of custody forms that you fill out, everything is almost like you're in the room with the people uh, and they can feel at comfort and we're guiding them through each step of the process. How to uh, open up the settings on the device, change the settings, change it back after we're done. It's almost like we're there. Right. Uh, and the client winds up saving the cost of any of the expenses, including travel and uh, more so time in, yeah. in the airports, things like that, which is, you know, sometimes a lifesaver. Yeah. And the, the volume of these requests is coming more and more because 
people feel that, okay, the, the cases need to be kind of dealt with now a little bit quicker because of all the logistics involved, yeah. right? We got to get this, we got to start thinking about this a lot more now than kind of waiting on it because in the past you would say, okay, either on the 15th, you're going to be going to whatever location, this is what you're going to do. Now it's like, okay, Joe has availability on this day. Mike has availability on that day. How do we kind of make it all work? Yeah. Right? And it's a little bit of magic behind the scenes. Sure. And this is the world we live in now, right? It's not going back, right? This whole thing of, of video conferencing and, and depositions and, and all that, like it's here to stay. Even in New York, the, the governor just signed uh, a permanent order with regards to notaries, um, you know, doing you know, notaries virtually, like you're allowed to do it now. And uh, it, as investigators, it's a blessing and a curse, right? So, okay. And yeah. now we don't have to go meet with somebody. Maybe we could do a, a, a whole statement online and, and uh, we can do it that way, but then, you know, it's going to hurt our billing or maybe the attorney says, ah, I can do this myself. What do I need an investigator for? So it's um, definitely trickling down and, and there's that ripple effect um, on it. So, um, all right. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to dive into the subject here. Uh, email forensics. Uh, you had a great article uh, in this past uh, PI magazine um, issue that came out. And I want to highlight that and just dig into it a little bit further because sure. I, I think the average investigator doesn't really understand that the, the nuggets or may not understand the nuggets that are in there uh, potentially uh, for all different types of cases. So uh, everybody sit tight and we will be right back. I want to talk to everybody today about scopenow.com. Scopenow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time and I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning, I'm one of their beta customers, and uh, it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information. I think it's one of the best points of how ScopeNow can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts so you have uh, particular people that you're looking at you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off it's really uh, really amazing and their relationship and association analytics are uh, top-notch really uh, cutting edge and really really cool when they brought that out on version 3 it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship, you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. 
if you're a member of Scope now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports and put your own logos on, and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Satellite Investigations is the premier investigation resource in New York State. Founder Matthew Spare was named PI Magazine's Investigator of the Year. If you need investigative assistance in New York State, visit their site at SatellitePI.com. Get results, not excuses. Are you a former FBI special agent? Are you in need of network referrals? If so, join SecureFBIDirectory.com today. SecureFBIDirectory.com is the exclusive networking tool of former FBI special agents actively engaged in investigative work. This site is the only networking directory in both print and digital formats for agents by agents. Members are listed alphabetically and by specialty and geographic area with over 80 specialties in 85 countries represented. It's open season now for both new and renewing members. Go to securefbidirectory.com to become a member or renew your annual membership today. Congrats to our host, Matt Spare. He was just named Investigator of the Year by PI Magazine for 2021. You can get a copy of this great issue at PIMagazine.com. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, we are here with Rob Freed from Sandline Global. Uh, Rob, welcome back to the program. How are you? Good. Yeah. So, good. Thank you. So we're talking all things forensics today, and now we're going to get a little more specific, and we're going to uh, dive into emails and email forensics. So why don't you give me an outline of this recent article that uh, you have uh, written for the magazine? Maybe not everybody had a chance to read it yet. Um, and just, um, you know, cover the bullet points here, and let's let's dive into the topic. Yeah, the, the challenge of email is one that we have uh, many different flavors out there. Uh, you have people who use Outlook, you have people who use websites, you have people who are on uh, phones now. So there's a lot of different ways to access email. Uh, and there's a lot of tools to do it. But you have to be uh, conscientious, just like when you're collecting any type of evidence, uh, how you go about and do that. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to take, for example, emails from a computer, those are typically stored on the local computer. Sometimes, depending on the configuration, they could be sitting on an email server. Uh, other times, uh, emails that you see on the phone don't actually exist on the phone because they're more of a pass-through. It's more of a viewer situation. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the stuff that you see on Yahoo or uh, AOL or Gmail uh, that stuff is actually uh, available on a network email server, uh, but sometimes it can be stored locally on a device as well. So, for example, you may have uh, email that you want to save, and you can save that email locally. Uh, that's not the default, 
but you can also, like I said before, have local email files right. that get stored on the device. So it's a matter of understanding where the data resides and what the best approach is. So it's really about being careful where you click and, and put some thought into it because there's a lot of ways now that email is available to us and how you preserve it is equally as important as how you identify it right. because you can see an email uh, on the screen and uh, if you click on an email a certain way, there are dates and times associated with that email message itself. Uh, that may get updated. So, for example, if you're an investigator and you say, client, okay, give me my uh, emails that are relevant here and put them in a folder. Well, if you're transferring from one folder to another in that same email account, uh, just to have access to it later or keep organized, you're changing the, the original path to it. You may be changing the dates and times associated with the message. There's all, all those nuances that come up. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, the, the way that emails are, are collected. We typically want to use a forensic tool. A lot of times our clients sometimes want to forward us messages. That sometimes is okay, depending on the message type, but it's not the most ideal way to preserve this type of evidence. Uh, you always want to use a forensic methodology uh, you always want to use a an approach that can be repeatable uh, and is defensible. Mm -hmm. In the days prior to a lot of these forensic tools coming out, we used the ability to download directly into Outlook. So that's a, a very popular email client. We would find out the credentials to log into the server, and then we would download the email. Now, that is a, a good way to do it. The challenge there is some of the logging capabilities, right? So you don't know if all the emails downloaded. Uh, there may be errors that you need to reconcile. Uh, there are things that you need to take into consideration right. uh, so that you can prove that what was on that server, what's on that server is what's on your target media that you're uh, saving this data to, right. right? So there's a lot of those types of things that just from a from an evidentiary standpoint, need to be taken into consideration. It's just not, oh, that's a great email. Forward it to me. I'm going to use it in the in the case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, what would you say are the most popular types of cases that the emails are are a, a factor in? Emails are very much so the the main source, and phones these days are the main source of of evidence collection. That's where a lot of people are still communicating. Email has been around for over 50 years and people are still sending hundreds of millions of emails, you know, and the reality of it is that there are other document management systems or collaboration solutions that are out there. These systems are getting some popularity. The, the challenges that most of our clients face are they sign into these uh, different solutions and then it's easy. And I always say this, it's easy to put the data up in these solutions or upload it. It's more difficult at times to download it. Oh, geez. You're and talking so, about Google Drive. <laughs> Google Drive is the worst. <laughs> talking about Slack, uh, yeah. Teams, yeah, Teams, right? Yeah. It's, it's easy to share. Yeah. 
from a, from an evidentiary standpoint, from an e-discovery standpoint, sure. from a bringing that into the courtroom standpoint, it is often very difficult to get the access, the level of access you need, to get the linkage between the email and the attachment, um, between you know the, the logs and you know correlating all the information that you're downloading and making sure there's no issues with it. There's a lot of these challenges, yeah. but I will tell you that uh, on some cases, depending on the industry, even in the uh, in the multimedia or the media industry, they are using uh, solutions like Slack more than email right now, yeah. and it's because of that file size limitation on the attachments that some providers give you, right? So that to to go around that, what everybody's starting to do is, you know, you said it before. They're starting to use Google Drive, yeah, so now you Dropbox. can't attach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't attach an email uh, or mess uh, or an attachment the same same way to an email. So yeah. now you're using a third party. So I may grab your email and say, "Oh, got uh, Matt's email," but now you've got links to your to your uh, Dropbox account. Mm-hmm. Well, now I need Matt's Dropbox account, and so this is a meandering way that we determine uh, oftentimes what other data sources from collecting email, what other data sources are, are necessary to collect. And that can be uh, network emails that are passed, but this cloud attachment of now being able to, to attach data that's not truly embedded in the email itself, just a hyperlink yeah. is really the new, the new trend and some of the new challenges that are, uh, you know, that, that we're facing out there in terms of the forensic software. Yeah, for, we, for, forensically trying to, you know, find all that info. Yeah, it, it's just another level of of uh, noise that you got to get through to get what you need, I guess, right? A level of access yeah. and uh, another another data source to collect. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I, I, I love working with them because it, it, you know, if we need to exchange photos or anything like that, like I can, I can do a full-size you know, um, you know, nice image where it's not compressed through an email. Um, and then you get, you know, I've got some clients like, Oh, now I got to download it off my email and put it somewhere. You know, it's like, no, first of all, you got your Dropbox or whatever, Google drive, whatever you use. But then a lot of the case management software companies, they have their own proprietary in-house solution as well, where you keep it all in one place, which is, is actually really neat. Um, yeah, There's no need to, to degrade or downgrade the, the quality of the, the attachment when you're using these services. The only downside from, a, from an evidentiary standpoint is that you are no longer in control. A lot of these services you're not in control of. You're, you're accessing Gmail as a web-based account. Then the attachment uh, service or the, the cloud service is another uh, type of account that's up in the cloud. Yeah. So you're, we lose control of being able to give uh, estimates sometimes based on throttling of the data, right? Where providers say, oh, Matt, you can only download two gigs today. Uh, and as data collection specialists or forensic specialists, that's some of the challenges. So that the client wants this done ASAP, but it's beyond controls beyond Samlin's controls beyond any investigator's control right. unless you have a way to tap into Google and uh, box or Dropbox and, and I believe there were some companies that had a, a, a faster way to access some of these services a number of years ago when there was a true 
deadline on something. And I did see that there are some companies that, that have different access, uh, you know, uh, speeds and things like that. But yeah, the reality is for, for just uh, thinking through this and getting it out of these systems, um, there are, there are all these nuances you have to pay attention to. Sure. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Right. And I'm sure next year there'll be some other thing. That's the, the hot thing. And the hot well, topic. You, you said it before. It's once yeah. you learn something, it will get changed and then you have to learn it again. When sure. I was teaching for a national white collar crime center, we were doing the uh, AOL uh, instant messenger mm-hmm. as one of the artifacts that sure. was very interesting. Rest download. in peace. <laughs> yeah. Every, every single uh, update, you know, needed to be looked at. Where's the data being saved? How do we preserve it? Uh, what information is being added or lost in this version? Yeah. Uh, and it was a very difficult thing for, I, I wasn't on that team. I was on the email team and some of the other courses, but uh, the guys who did the internet uh, based course, the, I think it was called the IDRA course. Yeah. Uh, they, they had to constantly look at these uh, data sources and figure out how to, how to get it, you know, uh, in a, in a format that is useful uh, and is similar to the, the previous format uh, that we were telling everybody about. And sometimes it changed altogether. Yeah. I imagine those chat rooms were gold mines for, for yes. info. Uh, so different the, different the good times. Old days. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. now you have WeChat and, yeah. uh, you know, the signal yeah. and, and all these that are out there now. So imagine, you know, just dealing with AOL and the messenger and maybe, you know, people had CompuServe and, and Yahoo chat. Now we have so many, uh, we, we, we go into specific uh, regions of the world, like WeChat mm-hmm. is a chat program, right? Or WhatsApp. People can, can do their financial transactions yeah. through those applications. It's, and it's a goldmine. What's crazy is that, you know, then there's something with ties to gov- you know, government countries, you know, that are you know, allegedly Absolutely. backing these companies or whatever. And it's like, are they yes. backdooring into this information, right? You know, that, that, that is a real, it's, 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 a real it's supposed to be encrypted, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. get, getting back to old technology. I just, uh, I, I read something yesterday about, uh, Blackberries. Like, uh, oh, I think, yeah. you know, like no they're longer active, no longer active. <laughs> you know, like they're cycling that out. And yeah. man, it was like the rage back in the day, you know, having, uh, I was it like a trio or Blackberry, I think, right. Those, those were yeah. the two. Uh, I remember we were writing this class on email. I think it was about 2004, 2005. And I was very interested. One of my, my, uh, former colleagues in school, uh, and then went, he wound up becoming a, a subject matter expert on the email class brought in uh, Blackberry and he was with the post office. It was one of the, the guys that was, uh, running the, the digital forensics lab at the time. And he showed mm-hmm. me the BlackBerry. At the time, I was always trying to figure out which phones to get to have an email app. And they were expensive. They oh, were yeah. like $40 just to have access to your email every month. Yep. And he showed me, he's like, oh, the BlackBerry has access to my email. And I thought it was like the best thing through, you know, since yeah. sliced bread. It had the little, the little it, ball, the little you know, yeah. tracking ball and a little stylus if you were. And, and no matter school. rain, sleet or snow, that, that <laughs> thing, you know, it had a life of its own. I, yeah. I, I dropped it maybe several times. Uh, the first week that I got it, I think I went to a Mets game. And the whole thing, you know, flew down and, and uh, I picked it up and it was fine. Yeah. So 
those things were now you got now you got uh digital screens right so everybody's got gorilla glass and yeah it's a different different ball game but those sure. are great and very secure yeah uh, i mean obviously. seeing what the the new iphones the 13 max can do it's like wow <laughs> you know what i think about that when i think about an iphone 13 max pro what how long that's going to take to to collect? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> how much data is coming off that thing? Am I going to get that collection done in the right. two to five hours I tell people about? Everything's work with you, huh? <laughs> it's it's amazing how these have really become small hard drives yeah. and how much data is on there yeah. and the treasure troves and not only that you have data on your device but you have it in the cloud mm-hmm. and something to think about and everybody should think about is. When you have phones at play, like I said before, the email is not necessarily stored there. The app data may not necessarily be stored there either. Mm. You may see something on the phone that you physically see that may exist elsewhere. Yeah, and that's very important to know when you're you're talking about cell phones. Yeah, um, even like when, when I built the app for Investigators Toolbox, you know, kind of same thing, right? So we were going to build a native app where where something you know lived completely you know, in that space, are we going to do hybrid off of the website? And, and these were, you know, there were pluses and minuses to both um, cost being the number one yes. <laughs> uh, decision yes. maker on that one. Uh, but it, it's, it's amazing. So like the way I have the app set up for that is, you know, anything I put on the website um, and it's all, you know, WordPress and BuddyPress and all that, you know, it, it automatically translates over to the app. So, you know, as I'm continuing to add content and, and build this site out, uh, it there's no okay now i gotta go back to the app programmers and they gotta you know put this page in or do any of that it just it's automatically seamless and it, it's neat really cool yeah well the level of content I'm, I'm obviously a member too the collaboration on there your resources i mean it's just a wealth of knowledge and yeah. it's almost real time you're tapping into these resources you're updating it uh that's great stuff and yeah. it's all you know it's all available through through your app and yeah. you know whatever you save locally. But uh, I found it to be a, val- a very valuable resource. Uh, I, I appreciate that. As well. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, so many people are on this thing. It's uh, it's humbling actually, how, yeah. how quickly and how, how cool it's it, it's grown. It's only going to get better, which is cool too, because the community itself populates it with information. So you know there there Love are logging in. Yeah, yeah there and are people seeing how there. many users joined. Yep, they you they know. contribute you know, articles and and information and site like hey this I use this tool. Everybody should be using this tool, right? And that's getting back to the methodology and 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 that change in attitude of everyone saying, okay, you know, we need to make everybody in our industry better, right? And this is how we do this. And you know the ones that really benefit off of that site and sites like it are the the folks that are just going getting into business you know just starting to do this whether it be you know they had a law enforcement career and now this is their second career or these young folks that are just you know in their 20s getting into school and now saying okay you know i'm going to give this a shot or i'm going to work for somebody and and do all that it's uh it's been neat the response has been very cool that's terrific and and the uh, on the academic side the students are really thirsty for what it's going to be like day one. Yeah, uh, We just hired three interns uh, through the University of New Haven because they said, you know, we want to really get an understanding about the business and understand what you do every day and, and how they, and, and it really helps to have a resource out there. Um, when you think about the costs of some of the associations, costs are rising all the time. You know, when you think about an extra 
you know, tool uh, that you have available that you can search, that you can find great, great job on it. And I yeah. really I like that you, you're getting the word out, yeah. um, not only at the conferences and things like that, but, uh, you know, through the magazines and everything else. Sure. So sure. very valuable asset. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have more live conferences this year too. I know I'm scheduled to, to go to Florida and to Vegas and um, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that, that don't get canceled. That's what we, that's what we have these zoom <laughs> backgrounds for. Yeah, we can exactly. be anywhere we want to be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just keep the heat on. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's a chilly one today in New York. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's cool. So, so let's say I am that average investigator. I'm that, I'm that person that um, has either gone into business for myself or I'm working for somebody. And, you know, the question comes up with uh, emails. Um, what would be your recommendation on how to start tackling this? What are the, the, the first few things you can do before contacting somebody like yourself or, you know, somebody who specializes in doing the research? Sure. Understand where the emails reside. Are they on the device? Are they up on the network? Uh, are they uh, on a provider such as Google, you know, Gmail or Yahoo? That's step one. Uh, and understand the date range. There's a lot of messages that people get through spam and through, I mean, you want to try to get as much of a kind of subset of, of email communication as possible. Mm -hmm. I have one email account that I've had for 20 plus years. And that's not uncommon. Um, I think you have an AOL account, right? Yeah. You probably have Don't tell that. anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so, um, I, you know, the thing is, I, and I'm sorry to mean to cut you, but AOL and Yahoo and all that, like, uh, there's a fear on uh, on my end that my clients will forget who I am. <laughs> like, like if I change my email address, like they know me as you know Satellite Matt. You know, like, that's right. And and like if I start changing emails and things like that, am I going to lose business? And at the end of the day, no, I'm not going to lose business. People aren't stupid; they're going to know where to find me. But man, I'm paying fifteen dollars a month to AOL just out of yeah. fear. <laughs> and know? and you have a whole archive. You know, you probably have a diary of, of your email from the last, you know, decade or so, right? It's sick. Or, or yeah. More. <laughs> it's sick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had it for a long okay. time. <laughs> so then, so then as your next step, you get the date range and then you have to find access yeah. uh, information for AOL there, you know, you would Google uh, IMAP configuration or POP3 configuration or uh, optimum, uh, like we have here, I think you have Time Warner in the city, right? So you mm. would figure out how does the person get their email into this program that they're using, and that's going to be through you know going into an SMTP server and then a uh, a receiving server. So SMTP is for sending, IMAP and Popper for receiving. So you would actually have credentials, you know, maybe satellite mat. Uh, and then it would be AOL.com and then it would have a certain port. Uh, that's, that's a little bit more on the technical side, but the examiner is going to work with you to say, please have your client contact me so I can get the credentials for this account. Right. The challenge with this becomes people don't want to give up their password. Right. Right. You, you know, I don't know how often you change your password, but some people feel really uh, uncomfortable doing that. So we say, Reset your password before, you know, giving over the password to the, the, the specialist. So you would reset the password. The next thing that comes up is whether or not two-factor authentication is enabled. 
Mm-hmm. Right? This is where you get a text to your phone. You may get a phone call. You may get a push to your device. Um, and that may be a notification you have to click on. You know, kind of like Matt's, uh, you know, uh, trying to log in from, you know, Texas. Was right. that you? Right. Yes. So you have to set the expectation that there are some logistics involved. Then, then you'd call somebody like me because what I would say to you is, okay, what type of email? What's the date range? Uh, and is your client available to get in touch with me uh, to provide the credentials and, and authentic, uh, the two-factor authentication information? Right. And then I have the ability to log in there, use a forensic tool, and download the data based on that criteria. You don't want to get into a situation where you're starting to do this stuff on your own, where you're starting to say, well, how many emails do you actually have out there? Let me start doing searches with you. Once you do that, some people start moving things around. You always want to keep the emails in their original source location. Uh, You also want to bring up a really uh, good point to them that, um, you know, you uh, want to have context. So you may want to collect a little bit more than just that range. So let's say your your investigation starts uh, January 1. You may want to go back a few days just so that you have a little bit of a buffer. You have context, right? Because we're trying to tell the story. We're trying to show kind of the path of communication here, all the parties involved. You may, you know, through your investigation, find out some additional information a little bit beyond that scope. Now, if you're dealing with a court order, you can't go uh, really past that. But what I usually do is a day before and a day after to account for time zone issues. Right, certain servers may be based in certain locations. That if you do just 12 a.m. to, to 12, you know, to 11:59 p.m., you may be dealing with GMT or UTC, uh, uh, you know, time zones. So that's really important too to take into consideration uh, that you want to put a little bit of a buffer there. Right. Uh, but that's it. They're going to be um, without their email for about uh, I usually say about two to four hours. Oh my goodness, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Well, I would die. Try, try to take somebody's <laughs> phone away for two to four hours. They, they, people are, you know, constantly, you know, asking what's the, what's the update. The email we typically do to, to make it easier for you, Matt, we would say, Matt, let's meet up uh, at eight o'clock at night, right before you go to bed. So you're not going to be checking your email right. and let's start the collection. Then you wake up. Hey, everything is done. Thank you. Send that hard drive back to me right. and we're done. Nice to nice to meet you. Uh, good luck. Right, we'll be in touch. <laughs> somebody we'll somebody touch. may be knocking on your door at some point. <laughs> oh, that's crazy, um, Rob. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, just kind of shedding the light on here, and um, I got to give you kudos too, man. Thank you for for like writing um, religiously for the magazine um, and Absolutely. collaborating. I, I love that that when you write your articles, you collaborate with people. Um, and it just adds a little extra saison to the article, which think, is cool. I think it gives people the ability that wouldn't otherwise not think of it yeah. to kind of put some thoughts out there. And uh, I, uh, my next one, uh, which I'm writing now, uh, Monday. Is, Monday's the deadline, pal. Actually, when this yeah, when so, this episode I, comes I, out, that's well, the deadline. <laughs> I, I still have this one, which, which <laughs> I'm holding on to. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll sign it. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> the next one, the next one is going to be on uh, cloud attachments, and then I think the one that I'm trying to to get in uh, is on Bitcoin. So right. again, collaborating with people, um, you know, on each one of those, and really just uh, giving everybody a little bit of a voice and to contribute to uh, how we go about doing things as as PIs, right? Just investigators in general. Definitely. So, if folks want to get a hold of you. What would be the best way to get a hold of you? My profile is public on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is rfried at sandlineglobal.com. Uh, we're based out of New York City. We have offices that are uh, opening up in New York City in Herald Square. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're right on Broadway, uh, right next to Macy's. Uh, and then through phone, uh, you can reach me at 347-306-8618. Fantastic. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for coming on and, and spending some time to chat about all this stuff. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next week on the next episode. Take care. We hope you picked up some great tips when it comes to investigating email. A special thank you to Rob for coming on and sharing his knowledge. We also want to thank Crosstracks, Scope Now, Satellite Investigations, Secure FBI Directory, and PI Institute of Education for sponsoring our show. So please support our great supporters. Have you thought about joining the Investigators Toolbox yet? Now's the time to get on board and join the fastest growing digital community for investigative professionals. This month on Investigators Insight, Harriet Gold will join Matt to do a Q&A on subcontractors. They'll answer all your questions on how to use them or how to be one. This meeting is only available for Toolbox members, so climb aboard. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next week with a new show, so make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.